It's time to eat. What are you hungry for? Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. Feed me now! I'm starving! On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby! It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast, the perfect podcast for Thanksgiving week. Let's eat. Let's do it. He is Joe Dolan at FG underscore Dolan on Twitter from fantasypoints.com where if you use the code feast all of your wildest dreams will come true or at least you'll be much more knowledgeable about football than you ever were previously specifically fantasy football I'm Ross Tucker former NFL offensive lineman bunch of teams doesn't matter right now you can see him behind me if you check out our YouTube page youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL and this might be the busiest day in the history of the Ross Tucker Podcast Network. I did Power Rankings Tuesday on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. I did College Draft with Emory Hunt. I did Even Money with Steve Fezzik. Now I'm doing Fantasy Feast with my guy Joe Dolan from FantasyPoints.com. Use code FEAST. No time to dilly-dally Joe. Let's get right into the schedule this week. We will start with the Thanksgiving Day games. We will start with the Texans and the Lions. By the way, the Lions having injury issues and did not score a point against the Carolina Panthers. That's not good for fantasy, Ross, in case you're wondering. (laughs) Uh, Teams that don't score aren't putting up a lot of fantasy numbers. And we'll start with Detroit because we, we we have a couple of situations that we need to monitor here. And we're recording this on Tuesday. I believe you're traveling to Detroit, correct, Ross? You know what? That actually changed within the hour. I It okay. sounds like I'm now driving to Pittsburgh and doing that game. Fingers crossed that that game actually happened. So, which, we'll, which we'll get to. So yes. uh, all, all kinds of craziness going on. Hell, your status just changed in the last hour. So <laughs> look, Kenny Galladay uh, uh, got uh, limited practice in on Monday. DeAndre Swift did not practice, so he's still in the concussion protocol. Danny Amendola had the hip injury. All those guys missed last week for Detroit. Matthew Stafford was playing through a hand injury, and everything just collapsed on the Detroit Lions. And um, DeAndre Swift uh, got the start last uh, two weeks ago, and then I think even after our podcast came out, it was uh, it was reported that he was in the concussion protocol for the Lions. Kind of a surprise addition, midweek addition to that concussion protocol, which obviously isn't good news for turning around on the short week then uh, and then playing on Thanksgiving. But I don't know how uh, controversial it is to say that DeAndre Swift was kind of the engine that made the Lions go. It took them way too damn long to figure that out, as Adrian Peterson even alluded to like hey you guys should have involved him more weeks ago Adrian Peterson said and then Swift comes out of the lineup Stafford's dinged there's no Galladay there's no Danny Amendola and everything collapses for the Detroit Lions Houston is not a bad matchup by any stretch of the imagination but if DeAndre Swift doesn't play and or Kenny Galladay doesn't play I don't know how you're going to have a whole lot of faith in this Detroit offense right now we're staring at a three-point line Detroit underdogs by three at home with an over-under of 51 and a half seems like a lot of points for a team that couldn't score against Carolina which certainly isn't one of the uh, premier defenses in the NFL do you have any specific Thanksgiving week advice like with the three games on Thursday Joe does that change anything before yeah 
So if you have guys who are potentially questionable um, for a Sunday game, when you have more Thursday games, you might have to plug some guys in on Thursday with some level of certainty uh, to go. But the advantage you have this week is there's no buys. So every team is playing this week. So it's not like, oh, I got my RB2 on buy and my and my RB3 is dinged up. I got to start this scrub in the Thursday night game. That doesn't exist. So while you you have more Thursday games, you also have a full slate of Sunday games to go to. So there is no buys that you have to worry about. But if you're loaded up with guys on Thanksgiving, you might have to lean towards some of that certainty here on Thanksgiving Day. Maybe if you're playing a guy from Thanksgiving who's typically a flex, plug him into a running back or wide receiver spot so you have a little bit more flexibility with that flex spot on Sunday so you can make a decision later in the week. Got it. That makes sense. What about for the Texans? Uh, well, the Texans got really going last week, and with Randall Cobb getting hurt, Kenny Stills got hurt last week. Nonetheless, Deshaun Watson, who is not going to be getting any MVP buzz, he's not going to get any MVP buzz because the Texans are 3-7, and seven, but he is playing the best football of his entire career right now, and he deserves a lot of credit. So uh, against Detroit... Detroit pressures the quarterback at the fourth lowest rate in the NFL per Sports Info Solutions. Deshaun Watson has been spectacular when he hasn't been pressured this year. Uh, According to Next Gen Stats, the Patriots got after him just twice last week, and you saw what happened. Deshaun Watson carved them up. It's a big game for Will Fuller and for Brandon Cooks. If you are looking for a Thanksgiving Day special, he's out of Bill O'Brien's doghouse. Kiki Kuti was so far in Bill O'Brien's doghouse that he was like, he was in the doghouse of the people who owned the doghouse. Like, that's how far in Bill O'Brien's doghouse Kiki Kuti was. Well, he had to play last week. He had to play because Randall Cobb and Kenny Stills left that game early. He caught a couple of passes. He scored a touchdown. The Detroit Lions are tied for eighth in the NFL uh, in, sl- in slot receiver receptions. According to Pro Football Focus, Kuti has played about 81% of his snaps out of the slot. If you're playing those Thanksgiving Day DFS slates, you need to go bottom uh, dumpster diving somewhere. And there are two players you can do it with with the Houston Texans. Kiki Kuti and tight end Jordan Akins, who had five catches for 83 yards last week, were a big part of what Deshaun Watson, those tight ends actually accounted for about over a third of Deshaun Watson's passing yards last week. Not something you typically see from Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans. And I am going to piss people off right here. But the Detroit Lions give up the most fantasy points per game in PPR to running backs. Duke Johnson was a non-factor last week, but this is the matchup if you want to give Duke Johnson one more go. Let's get to the football team against the Cowboys. And guess what? I'll tell you what, Andy Dalton, Mm -hmm. Cowboys look like a different team. Andy Dalton, a professional quarterback, Joe. First things first uh, with the Cowboys, um, thoughts, prayers, if you pray, um, out to um, strength and conditioning coach Marcus Paul and his family. Uh, We're recording this on Tuesday, and there was – a reported medical emergency on Tuesday morning that required the Cowboys to 
cancel their practices. And um, because Marcus Paul was rushed to the hospital, just thinking about him and thinking about the Cowboys organization and his family um, from everything I read, a very respected uh, person around the NFL. So thoughts are out to him as uh, uh, and hopefully he's on the pathway to recovery. And when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys, you know, I was reading a column by the athletics, Bob Sturm, who does kind of a roundup of, of the Cowboys game, kind of a, a debriefing, if you will, of, of their game against Minnesota last week. And he, of course, gave credit to Andy Dalton, who came out there and he executed exactly how you would expect Dallas expected Andy Dalton to execute in the event he was pushed into action. We didn't see that early on because the offensive line was a disaster. Maybe Dalton was getting a grasp of the offense with uh, with the Dallas Cowboys. But the, in his first number of starts, that did not happen. It did happen against Minnesota. He played solid, clean football. Ezekiel Elliott had his best day of the year. Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb had good days. But maybe the key catalyst, according to Bob Sturm, Zach Martin. One of the best guards in the NFL, the right guard. Ross, I'm, I'm doing offensive line shout-outs here. you got to be happy. One of the best guards in the NFL. Tackle. Kicks out to right tackle for the first time in his career and pitches a shutout against Minnesota. According to Bob Sturm, and I would tend to agree, maybe the key part of that Cowboy offense. And if he can be out there at right tackle and stabilize that offensive line, that is going to be huge for this Cowboy offense going forward. I don't know if you saw him, but uh, I mean, just just a heroic and a a key performance that I don't think anybody's going to argue the Cowboys are good. But for our perspective, if if it's going to allow Zeke Elliott to, to produce, if it's going to allow uh, Andy Dalton to stay clean in the pocket and distribute to those receivers, it's good for our purposes. I totally agree, and they're much better, much mm-hmm. better on the offensive line with him out at tackle. The Steel Kid was really struggling. What about yeah. the football team? They didn't put up huge numbers against the Bengals. Didn't have to, obviously, and we're going to get to the Joe Burrow situation, which was just a nightmare. But um, with with the football team, it, it, it's pretty simple. Alex Smith is a streamable quarterback. Um, I, I expect he'll be pretty popular on the DFS sites uh, for the for the Turkey Day uh, contest because he'll be on the lower end uh, of the pricing and he has the good matchup. Um, keep an eye on the statuses. Not, not that there's anything to worry about here, but the Monday injury report had both Antonio Gibson and Terry McLaurin has did not practice for the team with uh, ankle injuries. There, there doesn't appear to be a reason to worry here. And if you want to know about Antonio Gibson, oh, you know, Joe, Terry, uh, uh, J.D. McKissick had 29 targets in the previous two games. What the hell happened? Well, here's what happened. Washington had a lead the entire way against Cincinnati. When Washington leads, Antonio Gibson's the running back. When they're in hurry-up situations, they're playing from behind. J.D. McKissick's the running back because they trust him more in pass protection. Washington is a currently a three-point underdog to the Cowboys in this game. So that would suggest the game flow should be, at, at, le- at the very least, you should be able to be comfortable playing both Gibson and McKissick. That suggests kind of a 50-50 game flow split to me in this backfield. And Gibson is clearly the better runner. Nobody's going to argue that. But my, my job here is to analyze. Is the guy going to play? Why is he playing? Why is he not playing? It's simple with the, ca- with, with, with the team. When when they are uh, ahead, Gibson's the running back. When they're behind, McKissick's the running back. They're behind more often than not, which is why McKissick has played more often than not in recent weeks. Okay, anything else we need to know on the on the football team? You can take a shot on Logan Thomas. Um, uh, Steven Sims is finally paying off some best ball shares because he scored a touchdown last week. Maybe he's a punt play on uh, on Thanksgiving Day slates. 
uh, for the team. But uh, other than that, it's not really a great uh, fantasy team, as you well know. Ravens are at the Steelers. Please, please have the football game be played. Otherwise, me making the choice to switch when I was given the option mm-hmm. uh, would not be good. I yeah, would uh, out on the game. And there, we already know there won't be J.K. Dobbins or Mark, Mark Ingram. Ingram. By the way, while we're recording this, they had more pod, They had four more positives. But it's five players, four staff members. We already knew three players. We already knew Brandon Williams, Mark Ingram, and J.K. Dobbins. So I guess it's two more players. Uh, and we don't know who they are at this point. And uh, obviously, Ross, you need to buy some daddy sodas. So I'm hoping you get that paycheck. Um, uh, so we have to we have to keep a focus on what's what's going on here and, and the players we know is going to be available for Baltimore. And I was getting ready when I was writing up my recap of this game, the Baltimore game last week. I was like, I'm finally going to be able to go on the Fantasy Feast podcast and say, holy crap, they committed to J.K. Dobbins because they did. And they're going to commit to him going forward because I thought they were going to. And he's unavailable. And it's a huge bummer. He actually went nuts against the Steelers a couple of weeks ago, as did Mr. Gus Edwards, who is going to now have to start this game. Uh, he's going to be cheap on the DFS sites. Um, so uh, I, I would anticipate he's going to be popular in the Turkey Day contest uh, against Pittsburgh, but they are going to have to run it with Gus Edwards. The problem for the Ravens is the passing game is utterly broken. Lamar Jackson is incapable of completing a ball down the field and outside the numbers. Hollywood Brown is shook right now. Um, he's Not only is the offense not working in his favor, but he's also dropping passes. He is droppable. He had he had a goose egg last week uh, for, for Baltimore. Lamar Jackson is not playing well at all. Um, the fact that their run game is now basically Gus Edwards and Justice Hill doesn't give me the warm and fuzzies. So if we're just looking at a standard league, you can play Lamar Jackson, kind of have to at this point. I mean, you invested in him. Mark Andrews, fortunately, had a big game last week, so you can go to him. At wide receiver, I'm not playing anybody. I mean, Des Bryant hasn't caught a pass in three years, and he's catching passes and Hollywood Brown isn't. I like I the, the wide receiver position is broken for 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 Baltimore. And I think you can play Gus Edwards. And if you are super desperate, take a shot on Justice Hill, who I also expect will be in some of those DFS lineups. But this is a bad matchup for Baltimore. They have COVID issues at the worst positions. Their offensive line is bad right now. It is not a very good football team, at least relative to what we expected the Baltimore Ravens to be. What do we need to know about the Steelers? Well, uh, James Conner is going to have, finally, I mean, his his best game since the Jurassic period uh, last week. And, of course, uh, Benny Snell steals his touchdown at the goal line. But when it comes to Pittsburgh, I think uh, Ben Roethlisberger is a, is a mediocre play against Baltimore. Um, over under a 45 in this game, that's pretty low these days. Um, but the the two receivers who I think you have to play from Pittsburgh are Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool. Claypool is kind of, those are the two guys who kind of work off of each other, and Juju Smith-Schuster is, he's almost kind of a surrogate for the run game, and when the run game works, Juju seems to not, and it hasn't worked a whole lot this year, but when the run game works, it seems that it hurts Juju, and vice versa. When Juju's working, it hurts the run game. But Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool are the two guys the Steelers really want to get the ball to on the perimeter. And if Deontay Johnson doesn't get hurt in like the first quarter, we've seen what happens. He goes nuts. He had 12 catches last week. So those guys are guys who have to be in your lineup. James Conner, not a sexy play. They use Ben Benny Snell at the goal line, but with Brandon Williams hurt, who knows if Baltimore will have Calais Campbell this week 
He was doubtful last week with the calf injury. He's coming off a short week. Um, is he going to be able to play? There should be room to run in that game. Obviously, this is a Baltimore defense that now two weeks in a row has gotten shredded on the ground, first by Damian Harris, and then, of course, last week by Derrick Henry. Okay, let's move on to the Sunday slate, and we'll start with the Dolphins at the Jets. Uh, Ross, is it a good sign that the Miami Dolphins pulled Tua Tonga-Vailoa in his fourth career start for performance issues? Because I sure as hell don't think so. And, you know, it brings me back to a couple weeks ago when we discussed that bizarre report from Adam Schefter that the Dolphins really want to take a look at Tua because they need to know if they need to draft a quarterback because they have a bunch of assets. And I thought it was bizarre at that time. I was like, the guy hasn't even played. But it read to me like they haven't exactly been impressed with him in practice. And then he comes out. uh, That game against the Rams, he didn't have to do anything because the defense dominated. And then he puts together two pretty nice performances. And you're like, all right. You know, he's not Justin Herbert lighting it up, but he's doing well enough. And then they bench him for performance reasons in a situation where you'd probably want to evaluate the guy, where he's got to lead his team from behind. Does not give me the warm and fuzzy feeling there for the Miami Dolphins. And look, he's going to start. Brian Flores says he's the starter. Well, if he's the starter, this offense takes a hit. It's a better offense when Ryan Fitzpatrick is at quarterback, okay? We know that. They're they're playing Tua to develop Tua. The fact that they didn't let him develop last week is it's concerning to me. But there is a couple of guys who I think you can play from Miami, and then I'd probably ignore everybody else. Savan Ahmed, I would play the running back. Matt Breida barely played in his return. Patrick Laird actually played more snaps. So Ahmed, who got um, who had 18 opportunities in that game, he's kind of been he's been more involved than even Miles Gaskin was when Miles Gaskin was healthy. So Ahmed, I think, is kind of a uh, a flex play here. And then you take a shot on Devontae Parker. Devontae Parker, maybe Jakeem Grant, because we, as we've seen, this Jet defense is a pass-funnel defense. The Chiefs and the Chargers have decided, we're not even going to try to run the ball against these teams. We are going to throw it. We are going to air it out. It has worked. I'm not saying that Tua is Patrick Mahomes or Justin Herbert, but you would think and hope that against this defense, they're like, dude, you've got to uncork it. You've got to put up numbers, and that could could lend some positive uh, production for Devontae Parker and for Jakeem Grant in this game. Um, what about the Jets on the other side? Denzel Mims, not too bad. Right, and it's hurting Jamison Crowder. Uh, uh, honestly, it's hurting him because uh, he hasn't been putting up numbers. He was catching a ton of passes earlier in the season. The question is... Will Jamison Crowder, if and when Sam Darnold returns to the lineup, because I actually think Joe Flacco's looked all right, if and when Sam Darnold returns to the lineup, is Jamison Crowder going to continue to produce at the level we saw with Sam Darnold? Or is Sam Darnold going to gravitate towards those outside receivers in Brashad Perriman and uh, Denzel Mims to have been producing of late? And I wish I had a good answer for that. But with 16 teams playing this week, I don't necessarily feel great about either of those guys. And we also have the issue in the backfield with Frank Gore uh, probably taking over for a while here with Michael Pirine dealing with a high ankle sprain. So with the questions about Darnold, again, we're recording this on Tuesday with you know, with the holiday and everything this week. The Jets are just not a fantasy team I'm gravitating towards in this tough matchup with Miami. Uh, I agree. Let's get to the Cardinals and the Patriots. Very curious about your thoughts on this one. 
As we record right now, Kyler Murray is dealing with an AC sprain in his shoulder. Uh, There doesn't seem to be a serious concern that it's going to cost him some time, but obviously that would be a massive loss in uh, uh, in multiple in multiple fashions, uh, uh, Kyler Murray said himself this week that he thought it was precautionary, um, which is very good news. Uh, I would anticipate he plays, but um, keep that in mind that that was uh, something that's popped up with Arizona. Kind of a team right now where you're you're looking at uh, the backfield as something that that needs to be monitored as well because Kenyon Drake he played well a couple weeks ago, came out, he scored the touchdown. Um, against uh, against the Seahawks last week, and he starts actually producing as a receiver, and then he leaves with an injury, um, with uh, with what looked like a, kind of an ankle foot injury, and Chase Edmonds comes in and produces, and we know how it goes. If Kenyon Drake doesn't play, Chase Edmonds is a strong RB2. If Kenyon Drake does play, they're both kind of flex options, especially with 16 teams on the docket. Now, uh, with New England, on the other side here, you're uh, hoping that uh, DeAndre Hopkins is able to overcome the Stephon Gilmore matchup. You would think he's going to be able to get his, but this should also be another strong week for Christian Kirk. It hasn't happened the last couple weeks, but I still feel like that Kirk, uh, a rebust out game is going to be coming sooner rather than later. What about New England, Joe? Burkhead torn ACL. Mm-hmm. He's done. Your thoughts on on the Patriots? Well, Cam Newton threw the ball really well last week. Believe it or not, week 11 of the 2020 NFL season is the first time that Cam Newton completed a touchdown pass to a wide receiver this this year, and that was to Demir Bird down the field. So all of a sudden, Demir Bird's getting open down the field. Jacoby Myers uh, is, is becoming less of a factor. These guys are like wide receiver threes. I mean, Demir Bird's like a wide receiver four at best. My focus is on the backfield where Damian Harris, look, I I bet Damian Harris over the 63 and a half rushing yards last week. And he had like 30 on the opening drive. And I'm like, yeah, baby, let's go. He barely touches the ball the rest of the game because Houston's able to score some points with Rex Burkhead. Rex Burkhead was kind of the guy who was helping that offense to go. Rex Burkhead, him being out. I think it opens up quite a bit for uh, for James White, who finally produced last week. And keep in mind that they could bring Sony Michelle and activate him this week. I would be really hard pressed to think that the New England Patriots are actually going to take Damian Harris off the field for Sony Michelle. But stranger things have happened. I still view Harris as kind of a lower end RB two. I think James White is an upside PPR flex, and I think you can play Cam Newton as a streamable QB one. I don't have a whole lot of faith in that wide receiver position right now, though, with Demir Bird all of a sudden emerging and uh, knocking Jacoby Myers out of his fantasy superstardom for a week. Um, let's move on. Panthers and the Vikings. I guess as we sit here, I think Bridgewater will be back, but do we know that? It's a Teddy Bridgewater revenge game, Ross. Keep that in mind against (laughs) the Minnesota Vikings. Now, I would say yes is my anticipation. My anticipation is yes because he was close uh, this past week. We didn't know until inactive time that he actually wasn't going to start. And frankly, I thought P.J. Walker came in and did a pretty nice job. And he really unlocked that downfield passing game with D.J. Moore. I didn't didn't expect the volume from P.J. Walker. Um, I, I expected that he might throw the ball deeper than Teddy Bridgewater, but I didn't expect the volume he had. So I thought he did a nice job. 
Um, but if it's Teddy Bridgewater, you kind of treat this offense the same way you have treated it. It's a good matchup against Minnesota. So I'd play the receivers more Samuel and Anderson, all as wide receiver threes. Mike Davis had himself a solid game last week when it looked like at the beginning of the game, the Panthers might actually gravitate towards using Rod Smith, former Cowboy, a little bit more. But Mike Davis ended up getting in the end zone, catching a couple of passes. I'm treating him as an RB2. It doesn't look like Christian McCaffrey is going to play. And then Teddy Bridgewater, absolutely a streamable quarterback in this game. But you might dock him just a little bit. You might dock him just a little bit because of the injury if there's better options out there. Vikings on the other side with Phelan on the COVID list. Yeah, he's on the COVID list. Now, uh, forgive me if I'm wrong here, Ross. I don't believe we've heard to this point if he's tested positive or if he's just a close contact. If he has not tested positive, um, I don't think – if he has not tested positive, he should be able to be cleared in time for Sunday, presuming he doesn't test positive. So uh, I'm not going to make a judgment there. But obviously, if he plays, you have to play him. You have to play Justin Jefferson at this point. I know for big-time fantasy receivers, it seems like these guys – are more at risk of a goose egg than just about anybody else because you know if Mike Zimmer gets his druthers, he'd run the triple option. You know, he wants to run the football. He wants Dalvin Cook to touch the ball 30 times a game. But if it like last week we saw against Dallas, they had to throw it. Cousins throws three touchdowns. Thielen leads the NFL in touchdowns. So he's getting in the end zone at Gronkian levels. Um, you just have to play these receivers. Cousins is a more than viable streaming quarterback this week against a bad Carolina defense. And, I mean, Dalvin Cook, he's the number one player in fantasy right now. So there's no decision to make there. You got that right. How about Browns-Jags? I think, is it going to be Minshew mania again for the Jags? If if Minshew is cleared, I think it's going to be because Jake Luton is in over his head. I mean, he's a sixth-round rookie. He had a tough matchup against Pittsburgh. Look, he threw four interceptions. He had a really tough matchup. Um, and, and you don't want to hold that against him, but – um, but I would think it would go back to Minshew and for Jacksonville, what's going on with LaVisca Chenault? Because if LaVisca Chenault plays, then maybe your Keelan Cole, who you might have been plugging in there every now and again, uh, he, he drops out. I liked Chris Conley this past week, and uh, I put him in some DFS on a really good DFS week, but I put him in some DFS lineups, and it didn't work out. He had eight targets the previous couple games, but he caught just one pass against Pittsburgh. Um, so if LaVisca Chenault comes back, it really becomes DJ Chark or Buss for me at wide receiver for the Jacksonville Jaguars, even if Gardner Minshew is able to play. Keep an eye, by the way, on the status of Miles Garrett, because if Miles Garrett can't play, that makes this matchup even easier for a Gardner Minshew and or Jake Luton, um, because Denzel Ward, the top corner for the Browns, he's going to miss some time with a calf strain, which is good news for DJ Chark in this game. So hopefully the weather's good enough down there in Jacksonville for Gardner Minshew, DJ Chark, whoever, to take advantage of the fact that the Browns will not have Denzel Ward and they might not have Miles Garrett, who's on the COVID list. Um, And for Jacksonville, obviously, you're playing uh, James Robinson each and every week. He is their hammer RB. And even on this bad team, he's been managing to hold RB1 value for fantasy. Um, Next up, we've got the DraftKings game of the week. It's Titans. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me take a step back. I forgot the Browns. I got so excited about the Jags, I forgot the Browns. Browns, go. Oh, they're such a hard team to break down because they played three consecutive games in Cleveland 
in horrible weather. You had the terrible wins in their previous two games. I think it was against the Houston Texans and against the Raiders. And then they were playing in a monsoon against Philadelphia. So the passing game has just not been a factor for Cleveland. And I know Baker Mayfield struggled and has struggled for a significant portion of this season. But does the passing game take a step forward if they're actually able to play in good weather? That's a question that I'm not really sure I'm comfortable answering. If you're going dumpster diving for DFS, you can go after Kadaryl Hodge or Rashard Higgins for the Cleveland Browns this week. The one guy, I mean, I hate to write the epitaph, but Jarvis Landry, man, he is playing so hurt. The ribs, the hip. He had two targets against Philadelphia last Sunday. He has had one game, one game in his seven-year NFL career in which he had fewer than two targets, two or fewer targets. And that was his first ever game in 2014 when he had one target. That's it. That is the only other time he had two or fewer targets in a game. So he is playing hurt. I know the weather might be a factor there, but he hasn't gotten in the end zone. He is just not producing right now. So I just don't think you can play him with any degree of confidence. If you need to stream Baker Mayfield this week, Jacksonville's a good team to do it against. You know, C.J. Henderson is on IR. Sidney Jones is banged up in the secondary. They can't really rush the passer. So it's a good matchup for Baker Mayfield. And you have to just hope that that weather in Cleveland has been such a negative factor that it's 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 limiting this entire passing game. But you know what to do with the run game. You play Nick Chubb and you play Kareem Hunt. You know, there, there was a point against Philadelphia where Kareem Hunt had negative 13 rushing yards in that game, and he still managed to come through with a couple of catches and a rushing touchdown. So these two guys, they're in your lineup. Uh, Chubb as an RB1, Hunt as an RB2. Okay, so I talked about this on the Even Money podcast, but now I can talk to you about the DraftKings game of the week here on the Fantasy Feast podcast. It is the Titans against the Colts at the Colts. Titans are getting three and a half points on Mm -hmm. the DraftKings Sportsbook app, and the total is 51 at DraftKings, Joe. Very curious. Usually the Titans, narrow fantasy team. Colts are kind of all over the place, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to make this the DraftKings game of the day. Yeah, and it's it's a fascinating game as you mentioned because I my initial look at this at this kind of uh, uh, this total of fifty one seems like it's a little bit high because you view the Colts as a defensive first team, and I know they scored quite a bit last week against Green Bay, but there were some turnovers in that game. And you look at the Colts as a defensive first team, and you don't necessarily look at Ryan Tannehill and the way this Titan passing game is playing right now as something that can take advantage of this Colt defense the way an Aaron Rodgers can, because that Titan offensive line has been really bad. Uh, Since Taylor Luan went down, they have struggled immensely on that offensive line, and it's really limited what they can do in, in the passing game. And then, of course, against the Ravens last week, they benefited from the fact uh, that that Brandon Williams and Calais Campbell were out, um, they're not going to have that kind of uh, that kind of success against the Colts' interior, especially if Roger Saffold can't play again. So we're looking at a Titan team that, uh, I mean, frankly, there's three guys I really feel comfortable playing in this in this game. It's Derrick Henry, it's AJ Brown, who had one of the most beastly touchdowns of the entire season, if not the most beastly touchdown of the entire season last week against Baltimore, and Corey Davis, who was doing a really nice job at another hundred yard game. Um, Corey Davis is trying to single-handedly prove the theory that contract year players have good seasons because he's in the midst of one right now. But it's not a great spot for Tannehill. And Jonu Smith uh, last week against Baltimore, 
he had to gut through an ankle injury. And even though he scored in that game, he's not 100%. And when he is not 100%, Ryan Tannehill does gravitate towards Anthony Ferkser a little bit more. Um, on the other side, you've got the Colts. And I want to get your thoughts on them with the running backs, the receivers, the tight ends, the whole deal. I am so sick of this, Ross. Uh, you know, one of the things about coaches in the NFL is they'll always say, uh, coaches always are going to say in the backfield, oh, we're going we're gonna to ride the hot hand. You know, coaches always say that. Well, the Colts actually mean it. They actually do it. And we've seen multiple times in each of the past, like in the past month, when Naeem Hines has been the hot hand. And then we've seen times when Jordan Wilkins is the hot hand. And finally, 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 finally against Green Bay last week, Jonathan Taylor is the hot hand. But I actually believe Frank Reich when he says he is going to ride the hot hand. What happens if Jonathan Taylor comes out and fumbles? What happens if Jonathan Taylor comes out and gets stuffed a couple of times early in the game? I can't consider any of these guys more than flex plays. The one thing I can say is keep Jordan Wilkins on your bench because I think the guy who the guys who they will try to get involved more so are Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Hines. So I'm I'm comfortable benching Jordan Wilkins, but I don't think either guy is better than a flex right now, even against the Tennessee defense that has underachieved this season. And in the passing game for the Colts, Phillip Rivers is a mediocre streamer. I guess you can go after him, but there's one guy to focus on. And he, he took that shallow cross, 46 yards to the end zone. The rookie out of Southern California uh, with NFL bloodlines, Michael Pittman. I mean, he is the he is the guy for the Indianapolis Colts. The, they lacked so much explosion on the perimeter when Pittman went down with the compartment syndrome. And, of course, Paris Campbell had the knee injury. So those were two guys who I think they were really relying on. T.Y. Hilton just can't move the way he used to. Um, he is T.Y. Hilton says uh, the defenses are focusing on him. Okay. I mean, that's the way you want to see it, T.Y. I'm, I'm okay with that. But he hasn't produced all year. Michael Pittman is now the guy in the passing game for the Indianapolis Colts. I like it, Joe. Let's get to another game I like. For different reasons, Carolina and Minnesota. Nope, sorry, wrong one. I was looking at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. That's um, fine. Because it was the DraftKings game of the day. Instead, Giants at the Bengals. I don't even want to hear anything about the Bengals. I mean, All right, because I have nothing to say about them, Ross. Their offense is dead. Ryan Finley. He, the offense is dead to me. They're dead to me. What about the G-men coming off the bye? Um, obviously they started to get some juice and now, you know, they're looking and saying, Hey, do we have the best offense in the NFC East? Philadelphia is a disaster. Dallas, I think has, can lay state claim to that after we just broke down Zach Martin and Andy Dalton and what they've brought to the, to the table. Um, but Daniel Jones is playing with some confidence. He's third among quarterbacks in rushing yards. Um, behind just Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson. So he's having a really nice season on the ground. He's starting to get the ball a little bit to uh, Sterling Shepard and, and Darius Slayton. Evan Ingram's still there. Wayne Gallman's running the ball pretty well. So I view um, Wayne Gallman actually as a really nice RB2 this week um, with 16 teams playing. He might slip through the cracks of DFS a little bit. And I don't anticipate Cincinnati's going to be able to score a whole lot in this game. So I actually think this is a game Wayne Gallman and Alfred Morris are going to carry the load here for the New York Giants with some Daniel Jones mixed in. I don't expect a whole lot of passes thrown in this game, Ross. I'll be honest with you. Uh, and most of the passes 
that I expect to be completed are going to be on the giant side of the football with Daniel Jones thrown to some of those guys. This is an abominable fantasy game. I, I mean, uh, it, I wonder if Miami and the Jets might be worse, but Cincinnati's offense is just a disaster right now with Ryan Finley at quarterback, and I'm not really sure uh, how much the Giants are going to have to do offensively to beat the Cincinnati Bengals. Conversely, I think the Chargers and the Bills could be pretty good for fantasy. Well, Ross, uh, you're you're thinking right because on the main Sunday slate, only one game is lined higher uh, than the 53 and a half total that the Chargers and the Bills are lined at. And we haven't gotten to that game yet, but we will. Uh, but the Chargers and the Bills are lined at 53 and a half total points, which is a pretty high number on the main slate. Or excuse me, there's also uh, – the, there's also um, uh, the Chiefs and the Buccaneers, which are there's uh, there's no uh, yeah the Chiefs and the Buccaneers are on that main slate as well. But the, this game is a pretty highly lined right now as well between the Chargers and the Bills and Justin Herbert's putting up big numbers. It's 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 old, old Josh Allen and new Josh Allen here. Josh Allen against Justin Herbert. Herbert far more polished than I think anybody could have anticipated him coming out of college. Keenan Allen is a monster. He won me a lot of money in DFS this past week with his 16 catches. Herbert, Keenan Allen, you play them. Keep an eye on the backfield for the Chargers because the Chargers, uh, according to reports today, are going to activate the 21-day window for Austin Eckler to return from IR. That doesn't necessarily mean he's going to play this week, but it could be the end of the line. This could be the last week you can use Kalen Balage with any semblance of confidence if you're uh, if you're if you have Balage for fantasy. But when it comes to the Chargers, Keenan Allen and Justin Herbert are are, are locks in your lineup right now. Um, uh, Mike Williams is a really strong wide receiver three, and a guy who's kind of slipped through the cracks, who's now scored in back-to-back weeks. Finally getting off the schneid. Uh, he was snake bitten in the touchdown department. Tight end Hunter Henry. Uh, Justin Herbert really looks for him in the red zone. So the Chargers are a full steam ahead fantasy team. Justin Herbert now, unfortunately, with the injury to Joe Burrow, is a complete lock for the Rookie of the Year award. What about uh, the Buffalo Bills coming off the bye? Uh, the Buffalo Bills are kind of in the similar boat. I mean, this Charger defense has been giving up a lot of points. Now, Joey Bosa's back, which 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 hurts matters. But you're playing Josh Allen. Um, Stephon Diggs is obviously in your lineup. Smokey Brown, John Brown, needed this bye week. He needed it so badly to get healthy. He's a wide receiver three. Cole Beasley is a wide receiver three. And this run game, you have two guys who are flex plays, and you hope one of them gets in the end zone with Zach Moss and and uh, Devin Singletary. It is all about the passing game for Buffalo, and I expect they'll be able to throw it against the Chargers and throw it effectively. Okay, Raiders-Falcons to wrap up episode number one this week. Raiders, man, they're looking good. Falcons, that was disappointing against New Orleans. Of the early slate of games, uh, the uh, the 55 and a half between the Raiders and the Falcons is the highest number, but I wonder if that's a little bit too high. The Raiders have done a really good job. Paul Gunther uh, has done a good job defensively. I don't know. I mean, look, they, they got beat by the Chiefs. They got beat by Patrick Mahomes. People get beat by Patrick Mahomes. That's kind of what happens. That's that's the way the NFL goes. But I, they've done a good job, better than most, on Patrick Mahomes. Basically better than anybody this year on Patrick Mahomes. And Matt Ryan has been a completely different quarterback with Julio Jones in the lineup versus Julio Jones without, without him in the lineup. I think that should be self-evident. Julio Jones is one of the greatest receivers in the history of professional football. However, Matt Ryan, when when Julio Jones is out of the lineup, and I, I'm going to consider last week's game as one where he was out of the lineup because he wasn't in there consistently. 
Matt Ryan has been basically not even a backup quarterback for fantasy without Julio Jones. With him, he's been a top 10 quarterback for fantasy. So Julio Jones' status is massive both for fantasy in this game, but also for the number in this game. 55 and a half is the total. The Atlanta Falcons are three-point underdogs at home. Those numbers, that might look long in terms of a total if Julio Jones doesn't go, and that three-point underdog for Atlanta might look short if uh, if Julio Jones is unable to go in this game. You play Calvin Ridley, um, Russell Gage, I think, is viable if Julio doesn't go. The big disappointment for Atlanta last week was zero catches for Hayden Hurst, who has been pretty consistent, but that was a stinker. And if they don't have Julio Jones, uh, the, the history, the recent history suggests it's going to be a stinker for the Atlanta Falcons. Um, as for the Raiders, they I mean, been, Derek Carr, man, this is crazy. He's playing really well, but the problem is for fantasy, like the only receiver getting it done outside of Darren Waller, of course, is Nelson Aguilar. And like, I still think the average fantasy player recoils when you suggest that Nelson Aguilar is a viable fantasy option. Cause look, I, I mean, he's, he's having a better year than he had since 2017 in Philly, but he had a couple of drops in that game. Um, Catching the ball has never been his strong suit. He's gotten open consistently. But Nelson Aguilar, in this matchup, he's a strong wide receiver three. Henry Ruggs has been a ghost. Um, You can't consider him. You can't consider Brian Edwards. Hunter Renfro is just a mediocre play. In the passing game, It's you could stream Carr in this matchup because of the high total, but I I really wouldn't trust anybody outside of Waller and Aguilar, and they're obviously going to give the ball to Josh Jacobs in the back. You got that right, Joe. You also got a whole other episode coming with all the late games to get to. There's three late games, a Sunday nighter, a Monday nighter. That's why we do two episodes to make them more easily digestible for you here. Go to fantasypoints.com. Use the code FEAST. That's all I have to say about that. I'm stuffed. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.